Okay. So as I said before, we are kicking off a um, new sermon series, Three Big Questions, but this week is the intro week, which is, as a preacher, it's really, really hard to do an intro because you don't want to say too much. You don't want to spoil or give away, like, the punchline. And then being a guest preacher, you know, all week, I was like, Julie, like, I went back and forth with scripture to do, and I go, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to, like, say what you wanted to say next week. So there's just a lot of added pressure to do an intro week. And so you may feel like I don't go very deep this week, but that's because I'm just kind of introing everything. And I know Julie will um, take you a little bit deeper um, the following uh, few weeks. But this morning, I wanted to start and say, so this year in 2024, I have a big birthday coming this summer. That's right, I'm finally going to be 25. So I'm really excited. So as I begin a new era of my life, this new decade, you know, I have some of the same questions that I had probably when I turned 16. Um, You know, things of like, who do I want to be? Where am I going in life? Where do I fit? What impact can I make? See, I'm not quite having that existential crisis, but I'm teetering. Sometimes I get pretty close to it ever so often. In my group, my closest group of friends, I'm the first to turn 25. And so I feel like I should have things kind of figured out being the oldest of the group. So I think about my younger days and wonder, you know, how did I figure out who I was? Like, how did I ask these questions? How did I get answers? And I remember I had these bad boys. So if you um, read Seventeen magazine or like any teen, they always had quizzes. So thank goodness I had things like this to help me figure out my life. Let's see, Um, you know, can you keep a secret? What will your weekend look like? Are you young at heart? I mean, these were just really helpful for my life. Um, I think there's another one. The ultimate book of quizzes, does your crush like you? I don't know, I gotta take the quiz to figure out. And then how hip are you? I don't even wanna take that right now. I would fail, I'm pretty sure. I'm really sad probably males didn't have this experience. You really missed out because, man, those quizzes just really, really helped me with those deep questions. Um, But then after I Googled, I I figured out there are some, you know, these kind of quizzes have existed a long time. Um, I I found a couple vintage ones. Let's see. How good a wife are you? I also don't want to take that one. (laughs) Um, And what are you best fitted for, love or a career? So... These have been strictly for girls, just for the record, because, you know, we have to choose. It's fine. That's a sermon for another day. Um, So we laugh at these, but I think these magazines kind of reveal something about us, that we are looking for direction, and that starts at a very young age. And also, it kind of shows that we don't necessarily want to do the hard work. We don't want to uncover things about ourselves and that we expect other things or other people to tell us who we are. And I have to say, it's tempting. It's tempting to read other books or just ask a friend or take a silly quiz because it's easier. It just seems faster. But it can get us in a pickle. It can put us in a box where we were never meant to be or keep us shackled to maybe some sort of identity or something that we were never meant to be held to. What I find really interesting is, though, that so much emphasis is on, well, teenagers need help figuring out who they are. Teenagers need help with all this. Because I feel like we assume that by a certain age, 
you'll have this all figured out. But these questions that we're going to be looking at in the next few weeks just remind us that these are things that we need to revisit time and time again because of life circumstances. So as I read through the Bible, I find a lot of people, maybe you do too, you find people trying to figure out who they are. We know the Israelite people are trying to figure out who they were, who they were called to be, what they could do, who, who they belonged to, how to, how to practice um, this, this faith in a new area. Or you think about the early um, Christians that were Jewish, how they had to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we live in kind of these two worlds? And so it's comforting to me to read the Bible and think, okay, these are things that people have wrestled with for a long time. But it's also kind of depressing that in 2024, we still haven't figured this out. But again, most of it was comforting to know this is a human thing that we all deal with time um, or time again. So today we're going to read from Psalm 139. And many of you probably know at least parts of this, or it's going to sound a little vaguely familiar, and it's, it's pretty long, but, and so um, we're just going to read it together. So I'm going to read it in one, one reading this morning. So this is Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts about far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I send to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. I love that part. For it was you who formed my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I tried to count them, and they are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. And that takes a little bit of a left turn. <laughs> oh, that you would kill the wicked, O oh God, and that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you for evil. Do I not hate those who hate you, O oh Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. It's such a good insult, y'all, so you know, have that tucked away. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So a lot in that. And like I said, I'm kind of just going to be skimming things because this is simply the intro but as I read this, there's, 
there's a lot going on. There's a lot of verses that I, I find comfort in and some that are maybe a little disturbing or just they're hard. They're, they're hard to wrestle with. But as I read through it over and over again, I kind of came across like four, four things. And so those are the things I want to talk to you about today. So the four things that I looked at is that one, God knows a whole bunch about us. Two, God is with us all the time. Three, we are deeply loved. And four, we may need to do some hard work. So let's look, about, let's look at how God knows a lot about us. My first thought was, that must be nice. I'm still figuring myself out all the time. See, I don't care if you are 8 or 16 or 27 or 43 or 57 or 81. There are times in your lives where you probably stop and you have these moments where you say, gosh, who even am I? This is a universal question. We may have a firm grasp on where we came from in the beginning. We, we find rest in, in knowing that God created, created us, that God formed us. That is one thing we can get on board with. But it's after that that life gets confusing and, and, and messy. And sometimes you feel like maybe you're wandering. And maybe there's times where you second guess yourself, you doubt yourself, you feel paralyzed by a decision, decision, or maybe you make a decision and then you think, oh my gosh, I don't know if that was right. And you have guilt and shame. See, there's, oh, oh, there we go. There's something about how we don't always trust ourselves. And the problem is that the world is, is dying to tell us who we are or who we, or who we should be be, the world is constantly pushing things in front of us to tell us, okay, this is who you are. I know for me personally, for, for women, it's, it's all about beauty and how you should look. As mothers, what kind of mother you should be. And then in general, like, okay, you should be productive people. You should always be looking for the next big thing, or this is how much money you should have. You should be rich, or this is how you should feel about certain topics. Or I have found uh, recently that it's like, okay, well, if you're this, then you must be this, and then you must believe this, and you must act like this. It's like there's some sort of precise formula for us, which I just don't think is true. Or maybe you've had pressure from your parents or coaches or teachers or mentors, and they told you, no, this is who you're going to be, or this is who you should be, even though that went against who you felt like you were inside. But here's some good news. As we maybe take a misstep or, or go through a goth phase, whatever it is, maybe y'all had a phase that God continues to be with us, which brings me to my second point. God is always with us. When I read Psalm 139, I, I'm struck by the enormous trust that this writer had with God. The writer really begins by saying, look, I trust you. Like you have searched me and you love me and you know all the things and you have good things for me and that God walks with them, a plan, a purpose. I feel like this person feels very secure and very safe in the hand of God. And then as I continue on, I read about how God is everywhere. We can't escape God and it gives me much comfort and encouragement as we figure out who we are. As we explore, as we make mistakes, as we ask questions, as we try things, God is always, 
always with us. God is not frustrated or disappointed with us, saying, gosh, I can't believe you went here, you did that. It's this this idea of like, I'm going to go with you, and we're going to figure this out together. And then, of course, realizing that God came to live among us, among the flesh, to to know the pressures of, of life, or to know the different avenues or steps or paths you could have taken, the temptations and mistakes that could happen. So I love that instead of that we have to stay in one place, this is the only place you can find God, that God says, look, I'm, I'm everywhere. You don't have to beg for me to come, come find you or get to you. I am already there. And we all know that we may take a misstep, that some parts of our lives may not be glamorous. There's things that we don't want to revisit. But what a comfort it is to know that we have a God that does not abandon or leave, but that a God is with us. And God is willing to do all that because God loves us. So we are deeply loved, my next point. There are many people that believe they are not loved, that they aren't lovable, that they aren't worthy, that they have to change something about themselves in order to be loved. And so they, they hide themselves. They deny who they are. Some may feel as if they need to prove themselves, which isn't true. God loves us, full stop. From the beginning to the end, we are God's. Now, to go back to this feeling of of feeling safe and secure, we have to know there is safety in asking questions about God because God loves us. God created, created us. God knows us. God knows the real us, the parts that we try to hide or the parts we haven't even discovered. I think we have to remind ourselves that God isn't saying, gosh, why would you ask that? Or why would you think that? I don't know about you, but sometimes my brain thinks of really weird stuff (laughs) and really weird questions. I don't know about you. I'm not going to share any of those because it's weird. But our brain thinks of weird stuff, right? Can we be in agreement with that? And so we have to rest in knowing that we are beloved as we stumble, as we fall, as we explore and have trial on air. We are deeply, deeply loved. I'm so thankful that I can feel okay. I can feel safe and secure asking questions. And gosh, questions are so, so, so important to our faith development. So here's the last thing. We have hard work to do. So, you know, the end of the psalm kind of took a little bit of a left turn. (laughs) I don't always like to read that part, but I think it's important. So we talk about how God loves us deeply, and that is true. And as you ask questions, you may uncover some things that you don't like about yourself. Emotions you never knew that you were carrying. There's anxieties, or maybe you have some judgments, or, or unforgiveness will come forth when you do this hard work of asking questions. It's not always fun to discover things that you don't like about yourself, but from God's viewpoint, God believes in you and, and, and knows that you are beloved and capable and worthy. And so we have to trust that God may reveal some things about yourself that you need to work on. But we can never get to that place unless we ask questions without searching and discovering, having curiosity and wonder. And I'm sad to say that so much of that ends when we become adults. 
and it shouldn't. We should always be asking questions. We should always be discovering. We should always be curious. We should always have a sense of wonder. I think the world needs more people like that because people have stopped that. And I think we have limited ourselves in living into the people that God created us to be. As disciples, we believe uh, in sanctifying grace, that we're always evolving that we're always shedding old things, or we're being renewed, that maybe we're being kind of resurrected each and every day. Yes, there are things about us that remain true all our lives, but there is so much up for debate. There's so many things that could shift and change in us. There's so much about us. That is the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit, as the way the Holy Spirit changes us and challenges us and moves us. But we have to open ourselves up to it. And it's not a one-time thing. It's not a one and done, I did it, and now I know who I am. Because if you've lived even for five seconds, you know things change all the time around us. And the longer I live, I realize there are seasons of our lives where it's vital to search and ask questions and work on yourself with the help of God's grace and love that is promised to us. I think about someone starting middle school and figuring out what group do I belong in? Where do they, where do they fit as they figure out, look, I wanna, I wanna be authentic in who I am. I think about someone starting college for the first time and they feel like, gosh, for the first time, I feel like maybe I'm accepted or I found my place. To the young couple who figures out, figures out a couple years into their marriage that they need to evolve and figure out who they are together and individually as they continue to love one another and grow as one. To young parents who have a new role in navigating who they are no longer are because they're not just spouse, they're not just partners, but now they have to keep this human being alive. Maybe to someone who is recently divorced and now they have to figure out so much. The ones who are empty nesters and realize maybe they've neglected to work on themselves. To ones who have lost someone, maybe they were a caregiver for years and years and now they realize, I don't even know what to do now. See, life throws so much at us and that's why it's important to revisit questions repeatedly through seasons of our lives. As we continue over the next few weeks, I couldn't help but think of the work that those in AA have to do. It's not exactly the same. They do a lot more, but there are similarities. The 12 steps are extremely hard, extremely challenging. They take a lot of time, a lot of work. Some work very slowly through them. Some have to go back and revisit. Some constantly work on the 12 steps their whole life long. And to be honest, it's so admirable, the dedication and work they do. I've been inspired after reading the big blue book that they use, to reading about it, to talking with folks that have um, battled addiction, to even going to a meeting myself because I was invited by a church member to say, come, come see what this, is, what this is like. We sometimes can lose touch with who we are. 
and sometimes it can get really messy. Our life has to be untangled. But it's important to do that as we, as we all seek to be authentic people that God created us to be. We cannot grow lazy in this work. This is a lifelong conversation between us and God. And so I hope that you'll come back next week and the next week and the next week and the next to maybe get a few answers to these big questions. Amen.